Good morning. Welcome everyone to this morning's service here at Lexington Christian Church, Lexington, Indiana, and welcome to all those that are out there on the internet. Uh, ask first about birthdays. Anybody have any birthdays? I don't. I have two granddaughters. One's today. She's 21, and one's Tuesday. She'll be 18. Well, let's sing for them. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Birthdays, Mark. I know Mark's. What about anniversaries? You sing for Mark. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to. All right, announcements. We have a letter from Clearinghouse that everyone is invited to an open house this Friday between 11 and 1, um, and they're having chili and soup and sandwich. Anyone that can show up and donations will be accepted. church will be a, a short rehearsal for the, all the singers and I'm really asking some of the ladies you know, please show up we need some ladies voices also come for the coming up holidays unless you're a grand 12 close then you can leave your voice here <laughs> I take you out <laughs> we want to think about the ones that aren't here today because of uh, illness you know, Mike and Polly's both feeling bad and, and was told that Fred Crest is on his way to the hospital. So um, I'm sure Mary and Kathy is with, with him right now. So let's remember him in, our, in all of our prayers. Does anyone have any other announcements they'd like to bring up, Jim? get our service started then let's turn our hymn hymn books to number 75 let's just praise the lord let's all stand and sing amen let's just praise the lord praise
scripture, please. Sure. Our Father and God, we come before you this morning, Lord, humble. We are humbled because you are so perfect, so pure, so holy, so righteous, and we are not. <clears throat> Lord, we come before you and we ask that you continue to cleanse us, that you continue to show us the things in our life that we need to purify by bringing it to you, by confessing it, by repenting of it and changing our way of life. Lord, help us to be more pure that we may be used more of you. In these end days, it is so important for the church to be pure and holy. It is so important for us to not blend into the world, but to stand out. Stand in truth. Stand on your word. And be bold to use the authority and the power of your word to help others come to know you. Lord, I ask that this morning that that boldness will come through, that our hearts will be lifted above all of the darkness that the enemy has spread and that your light will shine through. We ask it in Jesus' name. Our Father, Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Be seated, please. And the roll is called up yonder, number 556. trumpet of the Lord shall sound the time shall be no more and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair when the sacred roots shall gather over on the other shore and the roll is called up yonder I'll be there when the roll is called up yonder when the roll is called up yonder
communion hymn will be number 440. I'll live for him. My life, my love. Well, I had to thank Jesus this morning because uh, I had a pretty rough day yesterday and uh, I was trying to get the garage straightened out and just just it wasn't working. And uh, this morning, uh, I went out there for about an hour and a half, and uh, I got more done in that hour and a half than I did all day yesterday. So when I and then I picked up my reading, and it's on peace, and uh, I just had to thank God for giving me peace today. So it it was anything but peaceful when peace came to this world. It started peacefully enough a meal shared by 13 close friends who had spent three years together. But this was to be the last supper all 13 of these men shared. After supper, as the group was walking to their usual meeting place in the garden, the group's leader told his friends he would be leaving them. But he encouraged them by saying he was going to give them peace. 
That is when a peaceful evening turned into chaos. The garden retreat turned into a place of betrayal and abandonment. In quick succession, there occurred an arrest, false accusations, a mob shouting for blood, a sham trial, a pragmatic deference by the governor, a merciless scourging, and then the crucifixion of the innocent leader. Oh yes, there was an earthquake and three hours of midday darkness. With the apostles largely absent, enraged rulers, sadistic soldiers, and a contentious crowd played key roles on that day peace came to this planet. It wasn't the day the Prince of Peace was born, but the day he died. In in, uh, 700 years before that, Isaiah claimed, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. Jesus' death completed the work of redemption, the buying back of our souls from eternal turmoil and hopelessness in exchange for eternal peace with our Creator God. Jesus promised his apostles he would give them peace, but with a distinction. He said, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. And also, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So what kind of peace does Jesus provide? The Apostle Paul said of Jesus Christ, for he himself is our peace. Specifically, the peace Jesus provides is accomplished by his crucifixion and affirmed by his resurrection. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. With Jesus' last breath, he provided the sacrifice for our sins that enabled God to destroy the barriers between himself and all the people everywhere and bring true peace. As we gather around his table, let us remember that Jesus himself is our peace. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we pray that you would still our minds and quiet our hearts as we approach this communion table today. We ask that you would draw each one of us into a closer fellowship with you as we partake together of the bread and wine in grateful remembrance of what you did for each one of us on Calvary's cross. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Brother John. Let's take a few moments, contemplation, examine our minds and examine our hearts and uh, for about we, what we are about to partake in. Christ met with his apostles there in the upper room. 
And Christ poured the juice out to all the disciples, told them that this was the blood of his uh, new covenant. It was for the forgiveness of his sins. He told them to drink. Let's all partake, let's drink. Forgot the bread. I guess it matters which order we do it. Sorry. He also gave the bread, broke it, said this is a body that is broken for you. And eat everyone. Let's stand for the doxology. Number 394, Just a Closer Walk with Thee.
Brother Mitch is going to sing a special for us this this morning. At least I'm going to try. <laughs> this being sinus season. <laughs> well, you get the picture. Good morning. Good morning. Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord? Oh, the only place that I can think of that I would rather be is with the Lord <laughs> in heaven. All right. Well, this morning, uh, as part of the scripture touches on a little bit of this, I'm going to sing, He Touched Me. Shackled by a heavy burden Beneath the load of guilt and shame Then the hand of Jesus touched me And now I am no longer the same. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something had happened. And now I know he touched me and made me whole. Since I met this blessed Savior, and since he cleansed and made me whole, I will never cease to praise him I'll shout it while eternity rolls he touched me oh he touched me and oh the joy that floods my soul something it happened and now I know he touched me and he made me whole I love the truth in that song and so now we're ready to move on in our study of uh, the book of Mark and we in chapter 7, we're ready to pick up at uh, verse 45, and we will go to the end of the chapter. And uh, so I'll read it, and then we'll come back and see what we can glean from it immediately. Now, this is immediately after uh, the feeding of the 5,000, the miracle. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat, and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. About the fourth watch, 
of the night, he went out to them walking on the water, on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak. And all who touched him were healed. Ah, praise the Lord, the word of God. All right, so we've got a lot going on here. You know, they just, they, they had took off to try to get alone so that they could rest. And they didn't get that chance because they got, they got to a place and all of these people had followed and come. And, you know, we know it was a large crowd because he fed 5,000 men besides women and children. So this large crowd was gathered. So they still didn't get to rest. And so after that, he says, immediately Jesus made his disciples or compelled his disciples to get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida. So he gave them instructions where to go, and he's staying behind. Now, I don't know about you, but my first thought would be, uh, what are you going to be doing? <laughs> Why aren't you coming with us? But you don't question the master. You just do what he says. You may not understand it. You may not even like it. But we do what he says. And then we'll be blessed. It's when we start thinking of it too much is when we get ourselves in trouble. He may tell one of us to go to Africa one day. He may tell us to go there and to help build a church or to go there and preach the gospel or to go there and teach English. And we're going to listen to the wrong voices if we're not careful. The devil speaks sometimes through parents, through grandparents, through brothers and sisters, and uh, you know, even through sometimes people in the church. No, you shouldn't go. You're too young. No, you shouldn't go. That's too hard. No, this is not a good time to go. Uh, there's so much up, upset going on in that country right now. That there's firing and, uh, of weapons and missiles, and you shouldn't go. You shouldn't go. No, no, don't go. Folks, it doesn't matter what's going on. If the Lord tells you to go, you go. <coughs> Amen? Amen? If the Lord says it, then he is going to provide for you and he's going to take care of you while you do what it is that he wants you to do. Once that's accomplished, then you might have some problems, but in the end, you're not going to have problems because even if you die in the process of doing what the Lord wants, you're going to be with him. What could be better than that? I mean, we don't, we don't listen right sometimes we, we hear the wrong voice, the voice that's saying, oh, no, this, don't, don't do that, don't do that, don't go, don't go. Or sometimes it's saying, yes, do this, do this, do that. And it's the wrong thing because it's not what 
God says. So he gives them instructions and tells them to go on to Bethsaida. And then after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Now, can you imagine how weary his body must have been at this point? I mean, they'd already tried to get off to a place to rest, and that didn't happen. And now then, he's going to the mountain to pray. Here he is, wore out, run down. He's been given out from the miracles. That takes probably something out of him as well. And then, instead of going to take a nap like you and I would, (laughs) he goes to pray. I know people often find prayer as a place of rest. Because when we go into prayer, true spiritual prayer, we're going into the rest of the Lord. And it can give you like a second wind, as we would like to call it, a second breath, a second wind. It can strengthen us and give us the courage, the strength that we need to carry on to do what it is that we need to do. Remember that. Prayer is a time of refreshing. Prayer is a time that is also a time of revival. Prayer should always be a time of revival. We come into his presence and he lifts us up. He fills us. He encourages us. Now, this doesn't happen if we're not honest with God and not honest with ourselves. If we go to pray like, like, the, uh, like the man that was uh, Sadducee or whatever he was, and, oh, Lord, look at all I've done for you. <laughs> Whereas the other man, the publican, the sinner, he said, Lord, forgive me. I'm not worthy. Our attitude has a lot to do with how refreshing our prayers are. And how effective our prayers are. If we come before God telling him what to do instead of asking him what he wants us to do. We're not going to get that refreshment. We're not going to get that instruction. We're just saying, okay God, this is what I want you to do for me today. Check, 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 check. No folks, I'm sorry. That's not the right way. We come to him humble and say, Lord, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? Lord, lead me, guide me. And then we can lift up our requests for others. We can say, Lord, uh, this, this need needs to be met and I'm putting it in your hands. Lord, this need needs to be met and I'm putting it in your hands. Now, if you want to put it back in my hands and tell me that I'm supposed to go fill that need then, Lord, I will do it, whatever it is. There's a big difference when we humbly pray and when we just come and give him a list of things we expect (laughs) for him to do. But Jesus himself went to pray to the Father. He needed strength. He needed that refreshment. And so he goes And then it says, when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake. And he was alone on the land. That is, Jesus was alone on the land. Now, wait a minute. Here's the boat in the middle of the lake. He's on the land. But it says, he saw the disciples straining at the oars. How could he see that? It's evening. It's kind of dark. 
already. But yet, he can see them out in the middle of the lake, straining against... And it, it, the implication is that there was some kind of storm, so there's probably clouds and overcast. It's probably kind of hard to see. I think this is a miracle. I think this is a way that he's saying, look, I see you. I see your struggles. I see your problems. I'm there with you. I see it. I know about it. Hang on. I'm coming. Hang on. I'm coming. Just hang on. I'm coming. I'm going to come and I'm going to help you. Just hang on. Give me time to get there. What's he do afterwards? It says that they were struggling because wind was against them. And then about the fourth hour of the watch, which would be somewhere between, uh, let's see, uh, 3 a.m. and and 6 a.m. So somewhere in that time frame, in the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them walking on the lake. Hmm. Wow. You guys used to do that growing up, didn't you? Go out and walk on the water. (laughs) he was about to pass by them but when they saw him walking on the lake they thought he was a ghost I I want to point out a couple things here first the obvious thing is the miracle he's walking on the water he has control over all nature he is God in the flesh there is nothing he cannot do nothing that's my Lord is he yours (laughs) there's nothing he can't do. And yet, here, he is walking on the water, and it says he was going to go past them. He was just toddling along. Here they are struggling with the oars. He's just walking along happy and happy-go-lucky. You know, no problems here. Uh, And yet it says when they saw him walking on the water, they were afraid. Why? They thought he was a ghost. I want you to notice something. Jesus does not look at them and say, there's no such thing as ghost. What's wrong with you? Think about that one. <laughs> Think about that. If there was no such thing as ghost, there couldn't be a Holy Ghost, could there? <laughs> uh-huh. And it goes on even a little more than that. It says, they cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. So this is not the case where just one witnessed this. They all witnessed it. They all saw this event, and they were so afraid. Now, folks, think about that. If you were out in a boat, let's say you're up at Hardy Lake fishing, and all of a sudden this guy comes walking across the water, (laughs) what are you going to do? Start the boat and leave, probably. (laughs) I mean, you know, you think about that. They had good reason to be afraid, that's something that your mind just is not going to process very well. <laughs> you see in something that totally goes against nature. That's what a miracle is. <laughs> Immediately, Jesus doesn't wait when he sees our fear, when he sees our concerns. Immediately, he spoke to them and said, take courage, it is I, or We might say it is, I am, it's God. This is one of those I am statements. Don't be afraid. You know, I can remember one time, 
I went to a Pentecostal church on invitation. <laughs> and things happened there that just blew my mind. It scared me to death. I mean, people were falling down. Uh, I saw a woman in a wheelchair. And she stood up. And she started jumping up and down and dancing around. And I was like, this only happens on TV, don't it? (laughs) You know, I saw these things and it just, my mind couldn't process it. And I left there thinking, was that the devil or was that the Lord? Because I wasn't used to that kind of thing. And, And I didn't have the education and experience then that I have now. So... You know, I, I was afraid. I didn't want to go back to one of those places. <laughs> I was like, uh-uh, no. <laughs> but I know better now. The Lord was at work. But again, when you see something that's so unnatural, the first thing that happens to us usually is we become afraid. And that's where Jesus says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm here. I'm with you. It's okay. Don't be afraid. And then he climbed into the boat with them. Folks, I mean, come on here. Come on now. Think about that. Jesus, here, the Son of God, God in the flesh, is walking across the water. There's terrified. He He comes along and comforts them and he even steps into their boat with him. Here they are struggling. So he makes himself available to go through their struggles with them. He climbs into our boat when the boat is called struggle, when the boat is called hard times, when the boat is called anything that is not good. Jesus steps into that boat with us and makes it okay. He is able. He is willing. He has a desire. He's waiting often for us to look to him for help. And instead, we're going to the doctor or we're going to the psychologist or we're going anywhere but to the Lord. He should be our first resource, not the last. Because he is able. He is Dr. Jesus. He is psychologist Jesus. He is everything we need plus Am I saying that we should never do those things? No, I'm not. But we should go to God first and let him decide what we do. He climbed in the boat with them, and then the wind died down. Not only did he climb into the boat with them with their struggles, but he helped. He stopped the struggle. Does he always do that? No, he does not. There are some struggles that he wants us to go through because struggling sometimes makes you stronger, right? I mean, when you're exercising, I don't know about you, but I don't exercise anymore, but when I did, uh, it was a struggle. One push-up for me now is a big struggle. (laughs) I used to be able to do 50 or so, but I can't anymore, you know? I mean, that was a long time ago when I was in the Navy. Uh, (laughs) Uh, It's like forever and a day. But, (laughs) you know, 
It's a struggle. But what's the result of that struggle is it builds your muscles up. It builds you up. It strengthens you. (laughs) Struggle is not a bad thing, folks. Some struggle is good because if you have some resistance against you, you work harder and become stronger. And the Lord wants that outcome for us. That's why he lets us go through some struggle. There are other struggles that are just so evil and from the evil one that he says, no, this ain't happening. And he puts an end to it. Or we recognize that it's the evil one and we use the authority of God and his word to stop it in the name of Jesus. That's spiritual warfare, folks. That's spiritual warfare. If you can tell me one Christian who's never had struggles, I'm going to tell you somebody that's a counterfeit. Amen? Amen. And then when they had crossed over the water, as if that's not enough miracles already, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. Now, nobody knows exactly where this Gennesaret was. There's differences of opinion, but it was somewhere across from where they had been. (laughs) As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. Imagine that. Wouldn't it be nice if people recognized Jesus today? (laughs) That day's coming, folks. Everybody. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. Jesus Christ is Lord. I pray that many of them are saved before that day. I'd rather say it willingly than not have an option. And not only did they recognize who Jesus was, but they ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard that Jesus was. Why did they do that? Because they knew he could heal his, their friends, their family members. They knew he could. He had been doing it before, and they knew. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did before, he will do again. What he has done, he continues to do to this very day. Otherwise, he would not be the same as he was then. Amen? And so, it says, and whenever, uh, wherever he went, into the villages, towns, or countrysides, they placed the sick in the marketplaces, in in the middle of the town square, folks. This is what we're talking about. They brought them down to the middle of the town squares and they begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak. And all who touched him were healed. Wow. Now, think about this. The edge of his cloak was probably the, uh, the, the strings that hang down part of the phylacteries that they wore. And on his garment, he would have had those blue phylacteries hanging down and... and you know, people recognized that he was a holy man. They recognized that they didn't all recognize he was the son of God, but they knew there was something special about him, that he was able to heal them, that he was able to meet their needs. 
He had fed them when they were hungry. He had given them drink when they were thirsty. He had healed many already to this point. They had seen that he had chastised the evil that was going on in the temple. They observed all of these things. They saw when the woman who had had the issue of blood for 12 years snuck up behind him and touched his garment and was healed instantly. That's why they were aware of this. That's why they begged him, can we even touch the hem of your garment? If I could but touch the hem of his garment, then I would be completely whole. Anybody ever heard that song? Oh, that's a, that's a precious song. Precious song. Ah. Uh, Mrs. Estes, Brother Estes' wife, she used to sing that. Wow, powerful song and so true, so true. Folks, how do we touch Jesus today? He's not here walking among us in the flesh, so how do we touch him today? Tell me, how do we touch Jesus? Prayer? Yes, absolutely. We humble ourselves before him. We reach out to him You know, just like when we're singing that song, reach out to Jesus and he reaches out to you. And you know how we stick my hand out? I'm waiting for him to come down and touch me. He will, folks. He does. He will. He wants to. He wants to bless us more than we want to be blessed. We get so caught up in this world that we forget there's more. You know, so many Christians today fill their lives with so many things, with so many television shows, with so, many, uh, so much of the world that they don't have time for Jesus. Well, why, why do you think that a lot of people don't come to church that are Christians? Oh, I don't like organized religion. Really? Do you like disorganized religion? <laughs> I mean, come on. Come on. This is an excuse that the devil offers Well, you know, I I got a new house and I got a new car and I have to work to pay for all that. Yeah, think maybe that's a trick of the devil to get your money all tied up so you can't give it to him and that you can't spend it on helping others because, I mean, you know, come on. You You get down to the fine line. They didn't just buy a home. They bought a $500,000 home or a $750,000 home. They didn't just buy a car. They bought a $130,000 car. No wonder they have to work all the time to pay for it. Come on, folks. That's selfish. These things are a symbol of pride. They are a symbol of, look how good I'm doing. Look at how good I am. We need to be careful with that, folks. I think there's a story in the Bible about that. I think there's several. What happened to the children of Israel? They got blessed so much that they turned their backs on God and started worshiping the false gods. What do you think's happening in America today? We've been so blessed for so long that we got so used to having whatever we want, whenever we want, wherever we want, however we want, that now we just expect it. But we began to turn our backs on God. Why are the churches empty? Because the people have other things to worship besides the true and living God. You think about that 
And then you think about the judgment that came upon the nation that turned their back on God. And that tells me we need this spiritual warfare conference. It tells me that we need to get on our knees and to get into prayer. We need to become more concerned with others than ourselves. We need to become more concerned about our neighbor, about our friend, about our enemy, about our loved ones. We need to get real in our faith because judgment has begun, but it's only going to get worse unless or until we as a church, we as a nation repent and turn back to God. So what are you doing about it? I know what I'm doing. I am praying. I am asking forgiveness for this nation. I'm asking forgiveness for the 70 million unborn babies we've killed. I'm asking forgiveness for all of the perverse things that's being publicized and going on in our nation right now that's being legalized. I'm praying for our children in the schools Because they're being taught so many lies. They're being taught so much garbage. They're being taught ungodly things. And what do we do about it? Well, that's yet to be seen, isn't it? So my question is, knowing these things and knowing that Jesus is with us, knowing that he's climbing in that boat with us when we face these struggles, Are we encouraged to step up and to step out? Because when we step out of the boat, Jesus don't stay there. He goes with us. He goes with us. Knowing this, how should we be acting? How should we be living? And thinking about that, are you willing to make a commitment to change anything that needs to be changed? If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Don't wait because we don't know if we have tomorrow. We're not guaranteed another day. But Jesus is waiting. Jesus is waiting for us. He's waiting for us to humble ourselves and ask what he wants us to do. Could he do it without us? Absolutely. Is he going to? No, he's not. He engages people. He uses us to help one another. It's time. It's time to wake up, church. It's time to get serious. If you have a need, just mind the Lord. Those of you out there, if you have a need, I pray that you will find a Bible-believing church and get help. Get saved, get right with God, live for God. God bless you. Our hymn of invitation will be number 469, Trust and Obey. If you have a need, please come forward and see us. Stand, please.
Just a reminder that this weekend is the Spiritual Warfare Conference, Friday evening, uh, 5.30. We start to eat. Uh, 6.10, I think it is, we, we start the uh, session, the first session, which will be me speaking. Uh, then we'll have, a, uh, we'll have a time of worship in between. Then we'll have the second one. And uh, uh, should be out of here 8 o'clock or before. And then Saturday morning, we pick up with session three and session four. We have a breakfast scheduled at uh, 8 o'clock, and then we start after that. So if you can come, please do. Uh, you will, I guarantee you, you will not be disappointed. You will learn something if you come with the intent of learning something. And uh, it will be beneficial to all who attend. And uh, in the event that someone does come in that is demonized and begins to dem- to manifest in the spirit and scream and yell and curse, don't get mad, don't leave, just pray. Because that's what we're going to do. We're going to do the deliverance. Uh, if someone does come in that's demonized that you know needs that deliverance, that's what we're going to do. That's what the church is here for, folks. So, all right, I'm done. All right. Probably no class tonight. Doesn't look like it at this point, no. We'll go over the prayer list and again remember the ones that uh, aren't with us for prayer. All right, I think I can do that. Oh, it's good to see Phil and company. (laughs) I don't even recognize you anymore, you're too big. You're supposed to still be a little kid. Huh? (laughs) Yeah. He's grown to be a good-sized young man there, so be careful. Don't bump into him. He'll knock you down. (laughs) All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the privilege we have to come together here in your house without fear of reprisal. Lord, uh, we do pray for each one that was mentioned here and many more. Lord, we ask that you continue to bless, that you continue to be with those who are on missions that you will protect them, put a hedge of protection around them, no matter what storm comes, whether it's a a storm that's literal or some other form of a storm. We just pray your protection around them. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, help us to remember that as we walk, we never walk alone. The only time we may walk alone is if we're walking in sin. But as long as we are walking with you and walking in your uh, obedience, we never walk alone. So, Lord, help us to walk with you this week and forever. And bless us, Lord, that we may be a blessing to others. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Blessed be